Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As I kick off today, some of you may remember way back in the late 60s, the Manson family cult. They lived on a farm in California, took drugs, were involved in all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, he wrote music, Manson, and had an old band of followers that he had sex with, and they were debauched, and they did terrible things, and they committed nine murders. Well, in the 70s, while three of them were in prison serving sentences for murder, the three were Bruce Davis, Susan Atkins, and Charles Watson, each of them in that prison dedicated their lives to the Lord Jesus. They gave their hearts to the Lord, and uh, even though they'd committed nine brutal murders, they surrendered their lives to Christ. Two of them are still alive today. One has already passed. And they began to testify and share about the goodness of God and the change in their lives. In fact, two of them started a prison ministry to reach other inmates and to reach people that had messed up their lives for Christ. And it's a wonderful story if you get to read about them. It's a massive transformation from being brutal murderers, messed up on drugs, uh, involved in a cult, lost and blind, to coming to Christ. And uh, you can read about them on their websites. They've, they've spoken about their faith in Christ in books and in interviews and, and online. And what we really see as you listen to their lives is transformation. Transformation is a wonderful thing. And when you look in the Bible, you see many people whose lives were radically, radically transformed. Paul the Apostle went from a murderer to a missionary. Only God can do that. The demoniac, the man filled with many demons, he experienced life transformation. Then the disciples, they were from fishing backgrounds, tax collector backgrounds, and they were radically transformed. Lydia, we read about in the book of Acts, she had a slow and gradual transformation, but a transformation nonetheless, and she became a Christian. And then, of course, we read about Zacchaeus in Luke 19, the tax collector who met with Jesus, had a meal with Jesus, and then was radically transformed in his values and in his attitude. And you know, today I've had a transformation. Many of you watching have had a transformation. And you know God can transform lives. So what I want to speak to you about today is I want to speak to you about the life-transforming power of Christ. Lest we rely on things that can't transform us and put our hope in the wrong things, we need to realize that God, through Jesus Christ, can transform our lives. Conversion doesn't have to be dramatic, but it brings change if we allow God in. And usually when there's a need, that's when the Lord can work. It's interesting that in his book, The Antichrist, Friedrich Nietzsche said that uh, Christians would only come to Christ if they were in a bad condition. In fact, he said this, he said, one is not converted to Christianity, one must be sufficiently sick for it. He was kind of mocking it, but actually it's true. When there's a need, when there's a mess in your life, when you come to the end of yourself, that's when Jesus can come in and he can transform our lives. Now today I want to look at the story of what we call the demoniac. And we're going to look at the story in Mark's gospel. I'm going to read a chunk of scripture and then I'll give you a brief outline today of how we're going to look at this passage. Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says, They went across the lake, to the region of the Gerasenes, Gadara, Gergesa, it's the ten cities 
the, the, the village there was called Gerasenes, but then there's a big city nearby called Gadara. So if you read different translations, don't get confused. But it's a place that they believed was hell. Uh, in fact, the Greek word uh, from the Hebrew derivative Gadara means actually hell or walled place. And so here was terrible things happened. And uh, when Jesus got out of the boat, he just sailed across the lake in a storm. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him, from the graveyards. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Remember those words, no one. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. Now here's the phrase again. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice. It's like an insane person. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. He recognized Jesus. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This, this is a, a visible sign of God's power. Otherwise, no one would have known what was actually happening. But a visible demonstration of what demons can do was shown to the people around watching and experiencing this and the disciples. And it says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Notice that, dressed and in his right mind. Divine order comes into your life when things are, are organized. When a, when a person's life is in disarray, you can see there's no divine presence of God when there's dirt and lack of discipline and chaos. But here he's dressed and he's in his right mind. The presence of the Lord in his life. And it says here, they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. What a dramatic story. What a dramatic conversion. This man being freed from demons. And I want us to look at this under three headings because three forces were at work in this story and the exact same forces are at work in the earth today. And we need to put our hope in the right force, not in the wrong ones. And the first force at work here was Satan was at work. Satan clearly was at work in this man. And by the way, Satan is still at work in the lives of people today. He steals, he kills, he destroys, and he had stolen this man's life 
He had stolen this man's dignity. He had stolen this man's home, possibly his family, his sanity. He had stolen his decency and he had stolen his self-control. And he had robbed him of so many things. Even his peace was gone and there was no sense of purpose in his life. And he was a raving lunatic or a maniac if you like. And the Bible tells us that Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And here he had devoured this man's life. He had robbed him. And uh, you know, today people think the devil's not real. You know, it's like Father Christmas. It's just something your parents tell you to scare you. But Paul reminds us that Satan is still at work in the earth and, and his power was at work in this man and it's still at work. And in the book of Ephesians, he says this. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there's spiritual uh, control taking place through Satan in the lives of people. Chaos is happening on the earth and we mustn't look at flesh and blood. We must recognize that this is a primary force in the earth. In this place, the, the Gerasenes or Gadderers, we know it in some translations, they believed that it was the entrance to hell because there was steam that came out of the cliffside just north of this place. And, uh, and uh, this man lived among the tombs. It was a Gentile city. That's why there were pigs there. It wasn't kosher. And they wouldn't have had the Sabbath. So it would have been a place that was far from God. There was no rest. And the devil had operated there among the tombs and somehow got into this man's life. And you know, today people are fascinated with the devil and they, they want to play Uji boards and, you know, have seances and contact fortune tellers. And you get these, these uh, posters on the poles and even in these electricity boxes, you know, for, 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 um, for people to conduct uh, uh, these kind of seances where they can call up the dead. And it seems to be a fascinating thing. But yeah, the devil got into the lives of these people and uh, you're not helped by spirits. Spirits are there to deceive you. They're there to take control of your life. And it's very dangerous to invoke spirits and to think it's something mild. The enemy is out to destroy, is out to take control of a life and ravage it as we see in the life of this man. Now, some of you may have watched on Netflix the Barari murders that took place in 2018 in Delhi in India. 11 people hanged themselves in their home and it shocked the community rigid. The police began to investigate and at first thought they were murders, but then discovered, no, the people were blindfolded, their hands were tied, but it clearly was a suicide. Well, the community thought the police were covering up the deaths and covering up the murder, and it caused a massive stir and a huge furore in that community. Well, as they began to investigate the deaths of these people, the oldest 77, the youngest 15, they discovered a number of handwritten diaries stored in the home that they hadn't seen before. And they discovered that the head of the family that had also hung himself and led the family to hang themselves, he had actually been hearing his dead father's voice as the patriarch of the family. His father, when he was alive, directed the family, told them all what to do. And now he had taken over as the patriarch of the home, but was listening to his dead father and writing everything down. And he would hear his dead father tell him, open another shop in such and such a place. And they did. And they doubled their income and they prospered. Then his dead father told him again, you need to invest money in such and such a place. And they did. 
and they prospered. So the dead father's voice began to be the guiding light through the current uh, patriarch of the family. And no one ever doubted that this was helpful, that these so-called voices from the dead were actually helpful. But it was actually demonic. It was spirit speaking to this man and leading him and guiding him. Well, finally, he told his whole family, we all need to hang ourselves from the grid in our house. And my dad has said that he will come and at that point will take all of us and rescue all of us and we'll go to a whole new plane and a whole new level. Well, guess what happened? They hung themselves and 11 people tragically died. It had a massive impact on the community and people were shocked at it. They didn't even want to come to that area to shop for an entire year. They stayed away from the vicinity. They were so superstitious and the devil had got in. They, they had listened to those voices and they were not the voices of dead relatives. They were actually demons guiding them and ultimately bringing about destruction. Satan's goal is always to kill, steal and destroy. And we've got to be very careful that we don't mess around with demons because demons want to control a person's life. They want to destroy a person's life. And this wasn't just mental illness. The, you know, Mark writes about this and Luke writes about it. Luke was a doctor. He knew the difference between a sickness and demon possession. And this is a clear case where the demons got into this man's life. Somewhere in the past, he must have opened up his life and they took residence and it was in quite a dramatic fashion. And here Jesus comes along and recognizes the work of Satan before he even speaks to the man. He speaks to the impure spirit because he sees what's behind the condition of a person. Don't just look at a person's life. Look at the forces behind. Satan was a force here at work behind the scenes. And when Jesus drove these demons out, what he was really showing is Satan will take a man. And if he can't find a man, he'll take a pig. But if he can take a man, he'll turn him into a pig. And here he takes this man's life and he begins to destroy it. Now remember, he says to him, what is your name? And he says, legion. Well, 6,000 foot soldiers were considered a legion plus 120 horsemen. And in the area of Gadara, the demoniac would have seen that kind of Roman domination and oppression. And he gave that, the demons gave that name, or he gave that name to the demons as he saw Roman domination and military precision and weapons and, and strength. And, and he's kind of saying, you know what? It's like Rome is ruling my life. And it's, the, the devil's not doing a random thing here. He's got a very clear strategy. He's making warfare on my life. And it's just like the Romans and my name is Legion. And then he says, for we are many. Also, it's clear from the way the man behaved is that he had a confusion of identity. He's basically saying, you know, there are many personalities inside me here. There's a lot going on. I think I'm this and I think I'm that. And he's being tormented. And you know, today, one of the biggest issues in the world is people don't know who they are. They say they're this and they're that, or they're the combination of both. And people are confused with identity and are trying to legitimize it. But often it is the work of demons. It is the work of Satan to destroy the image of God in a person's life. And so he looks like a schizophrenic, but actually he is demon possessed. And the devil has a strategy as he's working on him, just like the Roman legion would have. And, uh, you know, Satan always causes loss. If you think of this man's life, he would have been naked. He would have lost his dignity. He would have gone around screaming, made people afraid. 
He would have been dirty. He cut himself. He would have had wounds, bleeding, scabs, sores. There was, there was no inhibition. He was naked. He had in tremendous strength. And often when people have got supernatural strength, it's a sign that there's demon activity in their lives. And he would have disgusted people and repelled people. And he would have been a lonely figure, isolated from everything with inner turmoil, loneliness, rejection, and desperation. And you know, Satan is doing that to people still today, isolating them, making them feel less than nothing, and people are looking for help. And you know what? There's life-transforming power in Jesus Christ. Now, before we get to the second force here that was also at work, you wonder, how did this man get to this position? Because how do you get demon-possessed? It's probably a question in your mind today. Well, Sherry Dew is an author, and she said there's one thing the power of God and the power of Satan have in common. Neither can influence us unless we allow them to. You see, you can't just get demon-possessed. You've got to allow the power of God in your life. You allow the power of Satan in your life. And often the power of Satan comes when you heal to his ideas, to sin. You turn away from God. And you know what? Doesn't, it's not big at first, but slowly it's almost like you have one soldier inside. And then there's another one and another one and another one until your life is controlled by demonic forces and you're at your wit's end, and you end up like a lunatic, a maniac, shouting and freaking out. In fact, we call him the demoniac because it's like he's a demoniac. And the definition of a maniac is a person exhibiting extremely wild or violent behavior. Satan was at work. He was in a mess, but he'd somehow at some point given permission. There's a second force that was at work. Society was at work. Society was at work. People around him were also trying to help him. They tried to chain him. They tried to isolate him. They put him amongst the tombs because they didn't know what to do with him. And today society is at work trying to fix people's problems that are essentially spiritual, but they're trying to fix them with natural means. We lock people away. We inject them with drugs. We sedate them. That's the best we can do. But we can't deal with the inner issues where their dignity and their lives and the image of God has been destroyed. Society can't transform people. Satan destroys society. Society conforms them, but it can't really bring about health. And you'll notice it says twice, no one, no one could do anything. They tied him up with chains. He snapped the chains. And today, the only way they can help people is to sedate them with drugs so that they end up like zombies. But God wants to transform us. And you'll notice he cut himself with stones. People cutting themselves today has become extremely well known on the internet and uh, people post it on their social media and it's a way of relieving the pain. And I was reading about this because, you know, society doesn't know what to do with people who do this. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk, he's a psychiatrist, an author and also a researcher. And he describes today what people are going through and uh, the similar symptoms to the demoniac. And he says, when you have a persistent sense of heartbreak and gut wrench, the physical sensations become intolerable and we will do anything to make those feelings disappear. And that is really the origin of what happens in human pathology. People take drugs to make it disappear and they cut themselves to make it disappear and they starve themselves to make it disappear and they have sex with anyone who comes along to make it disappear. And once you have these horrible sensations in your body, you'll do anything to make it go away. Here this man was experiencing inner turmoil, cutting himself, trying to deal with it, screaming, ranting, 
and society could do nothing to help him. They put him out on the hill amongst the tombs and hoped that he didn't hurt anyone. And you know, human power is always limited. Don't look to mental hospitals. Look to the Lord. And if you need a mental hospital, you know, and the doctor's saying you need to go, but first put the Lord first in your life. If there are emotional issues, they're often spiritually rooted and you can experience transformation. But you see, Satan's at work, society's at work, but what we really need is the third force. The Savior was also at work. And you know, when the Savior's at work, life change happens, transformation happens. And the Savior was at work with the demoniac and the Savior is still at work. So while Satan is at work, Jesus is still at work and lives are being changed. I, I came across a fascinating story that one of Hitler's bodyguards, a man by the name of Kurt Wagner, he actually adored Hitler and worshiped Hitler, saw Hitler as a kind of a God. And at the end of the war, when Hitler committed suicide, uh, in his Berlin bunker, uh, Wagner went to a coffee shop and sat down and planned his own suicide. And he ordered a cup of coffee and while he was drinking the coffee, he noticed a piece of paper on the ground. He picked it up and it was a gospel tract and he read it, you know, sort of carelessly at first and then, then he read it with interest. And the gospel tract spoke to him about the life transforming and saving power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he called up a pastor that he happened to know in the area. And that pastor led him to Christ. And he was transformed, they say, from a hardened man into a peace-loving man. He became a new creation and he was transformed because the Savior was at work, but he is still at work today. Satan works, society tries to do its best and fails, but the Savior works and transforms people's lives. You know, when you look at the political landscape and the chaos, people feel hopeless and, and then, then they want to become activists. And I've said this so many times, but actually we need to all turn to the Savior. Chuck Colson, who was a politician and involved with the Nixon administration, ended up in prison, you know, with the whole Nixon scandal and uh, Watergate. He eventually became a born again Christian. And he says this, he says, I meet millions who tell me that they feel demoralized by the decay around us. The hope that each of us has is not in who governs us or what laws are passed. Our hope is in the power of God working in the hearts of people. You know, Jesus specifically came to this man. The Bible says that he got out of the boat, he dealt with the man, healed the man, and then it says again, he got back in the boat. So he came there specifically for this man. He knew the mess he was in. He wasn't put off by the man's sin, his failure, his mess, his openness to demonic powers. He came specifically to deal with him, showed him mercy and released him. And you know, that's what Jesus wants to do today. He knows you and he wants to come into your life and he wants to heal you. You say, well, my life's a mess and I've done so many wrong things and I'm ashamed. Well, could it be worse than this man? I love what uh, the great George Whitfield, the 18th century preacher said. He said, Jesus will take in the devil's castaways. You know, no matter how bad your life is, he will come. He'll come to the naked. He'll come to the ashamed. He'll come to those who've lost their dignity and they're filthy inside and out. And he's not ashamed to come and redeem them and make them his own. And you'll notice that when he cast the demons out of the pigs, people say, well, why did that happen? And why did he give them permission? And then shame, they went into the sea, you know. Yeah, the sea always speaks of judgment. 
You know, when Noah and his family were put in the ark, the seas rose and the flood came. That was a sign of judgment. That's why in the book of Revelation 21, it says one day when the new heavens and the new earth come, there'll be no more sea because there'll be no more judgment. And it's a picture here of these pigs going down that hill, that steep bank. There's just one vicinity in Gadara where that can happen. 2,000 of them go down and it's an open demonstration that the Savior will one day deal with evil. He will judge all evil and will finish it off and men and women will be transformed and live in the grace of God. You know, one commentator in, 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 in recounting this story said this. He said, the sinless humanity of Jesus challenged the supernatural world of evil and that explains the outburst of demonism during Jesus' ministry. Isn't it interesting that not even the pigs wanted demons in them. They couldn't handle having demons, but people will often entertain demons. And it shows how strong the human will is. The pigs could not resist. They were just taken over. But a human being can resist and a human being can respond to God. And you'll remember the demoniac, even though he was filled with demons, he could come to Jesus and he could kneel down. And he could talk to Jesus and he could submit to Jesus. Even though he was a raving lunatic, there was still his free will. And he recognized Jesus and came to be changed by Jesus. Fell on his knees. And that's what happens uh, before we get saved. We humble ourselves like, like Nietzsche mocked. You know, we're sick. Yeah, we recognize we can't do it on our own. Satan is ruling in this world. Society has no power. But the Savior can, can change us and transform us if we come to him and we bow before him. And uh, uh, Beth Moore said this, she said, nobody appreciates deliverance like those who've nearly been destroyed. This man was ready to be saved. He was ready to be delivered. And, uh, and he was so glad when he was free that he wanted to stay with Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the two responses in that story are exactly the same today? The people came and they said, please leave here. We don't want this kind of stuff here. Don't affect our business and our livelihood. Don't disrupt our lives. But the demoniac says, can I come with you, Lord? Can I be with you? And those are the two responses today. I want nothing to do with this. Well, Lord, can I make a journey with you? I wonder where you stand today. I wonder what your life looks like. Maybe it's not a complete mess. Maybe you're just having a bit of, uh, you know, some challenges, some small challenges in your life. But nonetheless, let's not look to Satan. Let's not look to society. Let's always look to the Savior because when the Savior comes, then we get transformed. That man was dressed and in his right mind, his dignity, his peace, his joy, his purpose in life, all restored. You know, prisons and reform and activism, these can't change the life of a person. And I mentioned some time back in watching uh, The World's Worst Prisons. It's a series on TV. They went to Bruntflay Prison in Cape Town and uh, the man there was interviewing one of the prisoners and I found it quite interesting what he said because there's such, you know, terrible uh, lives, messed up lives in, in the prison. People have destroyed themselves. But this man uh, had given his life to Christ and he said to the man interviewing him who goes to all these prisons, he said, when I get out of here, I'm not going to be in a gang anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. And I'm even going to have my tattoos erased. You see, society can't do that. A prison can't do that. Activism can't do that. You can't stop gender-based violence. Uh, you need transfer. Our heart needs to be transformed. Hardened criminals. The bodyguard of Hitler was transformed. And that's what makes all the difference 
in a person's life. Now you say, well, that's fantastic for those who are messed up. And, you know, I hope there are people that are messed up that are listening to you today, Pastor Andre. Well, I want to say to you, no matter where your life is, no matter how uh, messed up it is, you need Jesus. But your life, even if it's not messed up, if it's open to Satan and it's focused on what society can do and it's missing the Savior, it's missing something vital. And everyone needs Jesus today because everyone needs to be converted and born again. I was reading as I closed today about Kathy Island. She is now an entrepreneur, author. She was a supermodel. And uh, she was very well known during the 80s and 90s. And uh, she was especially known because she appeared in 13 consecutive sports illustrated magazines. She was on their cover 13 times in a row and became a household name and face. And um, I read the story that one night in Paris, 1981, as she was unpacking her suitcase in a hotel room, she found a Bible wedged underneath all her stuff. And she knew my mom put it there because her mom had been wanting her to come to Christ. Her mom was a Christian. And so she sat down and took the Bible out. And she, I want to read to you what she says here as we wrap up. She says, and, and as I'm reading in the middle of the night, I knew I was holding the truth in my hands. She says, in my industry at the time, it was filled with a lot of really sketchy guys. And I was drawn to how powerful Jesus was, how loving and honoring he was of women. It gave me such comfort. And so very soon, he became my Lord and Savior. The experience forever changed my life. And now she's a mother of three. She's an entrepreneur, very successful. And she says this, she says, the gospel is the core of every decision that I make. I'm just so thankful for God's grace because I've made so many messes in my life. She realized that even this famous person, wealthy, successful, she said, you know what, I've made many messes and I needed Jesus. And here's the wonderful thing. She discovered that Jesus was a gentleman. And when Jesus comes into people's life, he bears fruit. Men bear fruit that show Christ lives in them. You can be a person who goes to church, but when Jesus converts you, that's when you deal with issues. You behave better in your marriage. You manage your money. You treat your wife with respect. There's no gender-based violence. You see, Satan is at work. Society is at work, but they don't matter. What really matters is the Savior in our lives. And I wonder today, maybe Satan's been at work in your life. Maybe you've looked to society to fix it up. But have you given Jesus Christ, the Savior, a chance to work in you? Because when he begins to work in you, that's when you are transformed and your life really changes. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.